Yang. Here's to nights that turn into mornings and friends that turn into family. Cheers! Hello, hello, and welcome to the Friendship IRL podcast. I'm your host, Alex Alexander. My friends, they would tell you, I like to ask the hard questions. You know who I am in the group. I'm the person that's saying, okay, I'm going to ask this question, but don't feel like you have to answer it. And now I can be that friend for you too. How close do you live to your friends? Next door, down the street, maybe your roommates? Or are most of your friends across the country? The reason I'm asking is because I saw some stats today that really stopped me in my tracks a little bit. Like if you had asked me, does living near your friends make you happier? I would have said, yeah, because I work in this field all the time. But how much happier really stopped me in my tracks? So There is a study in the Harvard Gazette that uses the Center for Epidemiological Studies Depression Index. This is a standard metric where researchers found that an individual is 25% happier when they live within a mile of a friend. Now, let's compare that when if you live with a spouse, they estimate that it increases your happiness 8%. If you live within one mile of your siblings, it is a 14% increase. And if you take it a step further and you and your friend live nearby so close that you are neighbors, that is a 34% increase. Those are pretty big jumps. Today's episode is with Jenna Meyer deal. Jenna reached out to me because she made a cross-country move to live closer to friends. You see, Jenna was on autopilot. She got married. She moved across the country. She was climbing the corporate ladder. She decided to get a divorce. She followed that job to a new market, actually pretty close to me. And when she just couldn't shake a certain level of unhappiness, she realized that Even if it meant losing a decades-long career, she was going to move back to the Midwest to be closer to friends. And I think that's a pretty bold move. That is not something that societally we really even present as an option. Believe me, I know. I can't tell you how many friends I have pitched to move back. This is really out of the box, which is why I was so excited to have Jenna on the podcast today. The thing about living close to friends is that there are endless viral, viral videos out there that show this aspirational picture of people being next door neighbors or buying houses on the same street, people who buy a big plot of land and build a bunch of houses or move in together. There are even the videos or the stories about people who move into the same retirement community. And they go viral for a reason, because it seems like a dream. I I know my friends and I have kind of joking, but pretty darn serious conversations about when we're going to buy that plot of land. And so in today's episode, I just really want you to think 
about whether or not you've ever considered moving closer to a friend. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But if you have, what would it really take to do that? And what would your life really look like? And what might you gain? And what would you have to give up? I know those are a lot of really big questions, but I do think that for some people who are just on autopilot, they really might be worth asking. With that, let's get to today's episode. Hi, Jenna. I am so excited you're here. And from the sounds of it, we both had a good day today. How are you doing? Yeah, is it a good day for sure. Excited to end it on this high note. Well, I appreciate that compliment. That's (laughs) great. I am excited that you're here. I'm like selfishly, (laughs) your story, I don't know, aligns with my beliefs. Like I'm excited to get to share that. You're one of those people, I say this sometimes, who comes on here and it's like, you're doing the thing. You are putting in the work to build the community and friendships and connections that you want. So with that, your backstory is very important, I think. Will you tell people a little bit about the last few years, I would say, yeah. but it might be more than that of your life. Yeah. I mean, I think to get the whole picture, it's probably more like the last 11 like years. Decade. Yeah. <laughs> so I graduated college. I'm from Wisconsin. I like to say that because I graduated college in Minnesota. There's a big difference between Wisconsin and Minnesota, despite what Minnesotans will tell you. But I started working for the company that I still work for today, almost 13 years ago. I worked for them for a year in Minnesota. And then I had the opportunity to move to... Well, really anywhere. They asked me where I wanted to be. And I said, somewhere warm in a big city. And that landed Mm -hmm. me in Dallas, Texas for just over 8 years. Moving to Dallas was kind of easy. I was married at the time. We moved together. I was really young in my career. So I was able to really kind of come up in the company with peers and, and make great friends that way. 2020 hit and I had a, you know, affectionately called a COVID divorce. And at that point, my company was looking for someone to start up the role I was in on the West Coast. I thought, what a great idea. I moved once. I did it successfully. I can do it again. And I don't really have anything tying me here. So I made a brilliant decision to move to Washington State, just outside of Portland, July 2020. Was a very different situation, right? I didn't have that support system of a partner. Yeah. I was by that point 32. So, you know, I didn't really have like peers in the company that I could connect with the same way I had at 24. And that part of the country, I know you're from Seattle. It's, you know, the Seattle freeze. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You told me this story the first time and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I know. As a small town Wisconsin girl, like just was not the place for me to build a community. I, I like to say it's it's a really great place to visit. It's beautiful, but it's not necessarily a great place to build a life for yourself. So at that point, I, I only stayed there for 16 months total at month, probably 12 or 13. I made the really scary decision to call my vice president and my direct report and say, Hey, I, I made a mistake. I cannot be here. This is not good for me personally. I don't feel like I'm giving the company 100%. And I'm ready to move back to the Midwest, specifically Kansas City, where my best friends were living at the time. I would kind of escape Portland to Kansas City several times. They asked me that, you know, I I really thought in that phone call, like I was blowing up my whole career. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people would think that. Yeah. And I mean, I literally told my VP, like, I don't care if I ever get promoted again. I want to move to Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he was fantastic. He was like, 
It's not a big deal. He's like, at this point, you've been with us, you know, 10 plus years. You're allowed to make a bad decision. He did try to talk me into like either going back to Wisconsin or going to Colorado because that would have kind of served the company's needs better at the time. But I stuck to my guns of like, no, the place for me to really like put down roots and be there for a long time and, and find the community and fulfillment that I needed, it's Kansas City. So yeah, so I moved back to, you know, genius move. You drive like 24 hours from Dallas to Portland, and then you drive a year, not even a year and a half later, another 24 hours to end up eight hours from where I started, (laughs) essentially. When I got to Kansas City, I was very intentional about building that life and that community that I think you talk about on your, your podcast every episode. And yeah, that's kind of what got me where I am today. We will get there. We'll get to what you built. I want to talk about just like two things that you said specifically. I want to point them out to people. The first one is the whole Seattle freeze. So a couple of things just to clarify for anybody that is confused that has not been to the Pacific Northwest. I will confirm what you said, which is somebody described it to me one time as The Pacific Northwest is the place where you'll be in a big group of people and they'll be talking about how they're going to go do something this weekend. They're going to go hang out in a park and they will say, oh, we're doing this thing and it's going to be so fun and they will never invite you. Does that align with your experience? Yeah, that's a really simple way to explain it. That's I like that. (laughs) Yeah, it's like hard to break in to groups if you've moved here and I've heard that from multiple people. As somebody who was born and raised here, I try and be really (laughs) aware of that. But I think anybody who's listening who's never been here or lived here might think that you're, I don't know, being dramatic or something. Like, this is really how it is. It is very different in other parts of the country. Great example of somebody who's from Seattle is the first time I ever went to New Orleans. I was walking down the street and random people walking past me were like, hey, have a good day. How are you doing? Like talking to me. And again, we don't do that in, C- in Seattle. I was like, oh, we say hi here. Okay. So like that really is the culture of Seattle. You're totally correct. Also, things were very shut down in the Pacific Northwest in mm-hmm. 2020 for a very long time because every part of the country had different levels of shutdown. It was very shut down. Like windows boarded up here Mm -hmm. so for anybody listening your experience i am not shocked whatsoever i think when i moved to washington the rule was like you couldn't dine out in public with anyone you didn't live with yeah unfortunately my cats like aren't the best dining companions so (laughs) that was pretty rough yeah yeah i mean even if you had gotten out it still would have been hard. And the frequency at that time would have been so limited mm-hmm. that they probably felt impossible. And it probably was pretty close to impossible at that point. The other thing you said, you know, is you called your boss and you said that you knew where you wanted to go and you weren't budging, you weren't going somewhere else. And I just want to point that out because what I heard this time and the first time you told me that is that you were prioritizing basically your social wellness over other areas of your life like you were not going to sacrifice here because you felt like it was so impactful for your overall well-being and mental health 
that you were willing to leave a company you had worked at for over a decade at that point, right? Mm -hmm. To support this area of your life. And I really want to commend you for that because we are told through societal messages that this as an adult, and by this, I mean like our community, our friendships, our connections, our support system, like this shouldn't really make the priority list. So many other things are more important, especially your job. And so for you to say, this is so important, I'm willing to kind of blow up and restart my career if I must, is really something a lot of people should think about. Because I think a lot of people out there are in situations where they feel as desperate as you were, but they could never imagine putting their foot down like you did. Like, did it feel overwhelming to tell your boss that? Yeah. You said a little bit. It was one of probably my hardest conversation I've ever had in my career, just going into it. I mean, I guess if I had worked for someone else, it might've turned out differently. I don't know if it would have ever gotten to the point of like, okay, you're done here. I think it, you know, I told them like, I mean, and I should point out, this wasn't just a matter of me like relocating, doing the same job. I was in sales at the time, which means you have territory lines, right? There was a a gentleman who's one of my favorite people in my company who was covering where I was going to be moving. And our team was pretty small. There was only like six of us at the time. So when they said like, hey, Denver, Madison, right? It was like, these are open spots. Kansas City was not open. So Ken, one of my great friends, he was in the St. Louis market. He was covering St. Louis over to Omaha. I called him before I had this conversation. And I was like, hey, just an FYI. I don't know what's going to happen. This is a conversation I'm going to have. I don't want to step on your feet, right? And he's a fantastic person. He was like, listen, I know how unhappy you've been since you moved out there. Like, If mm-hmm. I have to give up some territory for you to be able to be the old Jenna, then I'm fine with that. And so I talked to my direct reports. Basically, we just kind of like they shifted him and they made the spot for me and stuff. So I kind of thought it was going to go more of like, okay, you can stay with the company, but maybe you got to like transfer departments or go like, you know, take a demotion, whatever it would be. I didn't think it was going to come to the point of like, you're not going to be here. But it wasn't just my boss and my VP enabling me to do that, but it was also my coworkers like giving up things to allow me to be my best self. So, and that's why I've been with this company for so long is because that's like really baked into our culture, I think, is to support each Mm -hmm. other. I mean, what a beautiful kudos to your company for creating that culture and then acting on it. Mm-hmm. And not just like the leadership, but the people in it. Yeah. That's what we all want. Yeah. I've been in very our company. Lucky. So like, that's great. Yeah. It's been my only like real adult job. So I've been incredibly lucky with that side of things. Yeah. Do you see why I wanted to have Jenna on the podcast? I love her story. It's so specific, right? She has done the quote-unquote right thing. She has followed the path, the job, the spouse, right? And she's ended up in a place in which she said, I'm not happy. I don't want to be here. And so often societal messages tell us that we need to self-care our way out of that, that we need to get outside and learn to meditate or take up a new hobby. And sure, that might be it. But at what point do you ask yourself, I just want to be surrounded by people that I know and care about? 
for a lot of people, that's going to be a question that falls very, very, very far down the list, which is why I love hearing Jenna's story because she very quickly was like, this could be the solution to my problem. Now, I touched on this in here, but I think something that's really important to call out is just society's understanding of what success is. This is not the first time I've talked about this on this podcast. It will not be the last. But the societal messages that tell you that success is finding a partner, having some kids, and then finding the right house to settle down. And in certain areas, I do personally feel like we're starting to question that. But some of those questions, I think, are being left off the table. Mainly, this question of community and connection and friendship and support. There's something here about this idea of like, what if we admitted to ourselves, like, I want to be near people that I've been close to for over a decade? What if we admitted, I want to do this season of life with people I care about? What would that look like? And if that appeals to you at all, then it's probably time for some reflection and some questioning of what success looks like and what might bring you some happiness. Questions like, do I even want this? Questions like, what beliefs would I have to rewrite to actually make changes and prioritize this in my life? And finally, what would it take to make this happen? Before you made that call, I'm just curious. I don't know what the answer is. Did you know that the friendship community piece was the answer? Or did you ever try and convince yourself that you needed to change other areas of your life? Like that you should just, I don't know, journal or meditate or become a yogi or do something else, like basically self-care your way out of it to make yourself happier? I never really had that feeling. I knew so John and Haley, who are my best friends, they're married. I was actually the best man in their wedding last year. Love. And not just them, but a couple of other our good friends as well. They're out in the DC area. They were really my support system in that COVID time, right? We all kind of like turned to like Discord and teams and all these like, you know, like the Zoom happy hour type stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I remember 2020, my birthday is the day after Christmas. I was total lockdown in Washington. I was traveling for work still in the Pacific Northwest to some extent. So I couldn't go home and be with my family. And we literally like all got on a Zoom call and watched a movie and like drank mimosas over <laughs> over zoom yeah. right and so i just knew like Haley and john have been my life for a long time but they had really stepped up a different level supporting me through the divorce mm. and the move and all that stuff and so i just knew that was you know i was in therapy and that sort of stuff and like i just woke up one day and i'd actually like when i left dallas Haley and john had always been like you should move to kansas city you'll be happy and i was like your airport sucks and texas barbecues better right <laughs> like i had all these reasons i didn't want to be in the midwest again i think it was kind of like this like this thing in my head of like i left the midwest i left that small town for a reason and not that kansas city is a small town compared to dallas it is right and so it was like i just woke up one morning and like was like you know what i'm going to move to kansas city and my original thought was, 
well, I don't know that my company will let me. Maybe I should like start looking outside of the company for other jobs. And I like kind of thought about that for like maybe a week or two. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to ask my leadership, like, what's the worst case scenario here? And it was like, I mean, it was a decision that was made that fast. I don't think there was ever anything else that I was like, this can fix it. It had to be my support system that could fix it. I mean, kudos to you for that because societal messages really push this idea that you're supposed to be able to go it alone. And, you know, like in order to be successful and take care of yourself, you should just self care your way out of it. So, like it was your experience. I was just curious what your experience yeah. is. But I do think there's a lot of people out there who would have been in your situation and said, well, I just need to fix myself because I'm unhappy. I remember like, so first off on the like going it alone thing, I hated living alone. I know <laughs> some people may love that. For me, I was like, in this luxury apartment in a tiny little studio with my animals. And like, I hated it. I was absolutely miserable in the situation. And I remember talking to one of our good mutual friends in DC. Once I made the decision to move to Kansas City, I was, I asked him, I was like, do you think I'm taking the easy path? Like what you're saying, right? I was like, I was like, am I taking the easy pathway? And, and Alec was like, maybe you are, mm. but that's okay. Like, it's okay to take that easy pathway. Right. And I was like, okay, great. (laughs) So interesting though, that we think that like meeting others or leaning on others is the easy pathway versus forcing ourselves to just like trudge through it by ourselves for a really extended period of time. I'm happy your friend said that to you, told you it was not the easy path. And if it was, then who cares? Mm Because like, whatever. Why do we need to make it hard? Okay, so you moved. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. Congrats, obviously. (laughs) And what was it like after you moved? Like, what did you, you had obviously made this decision to be really intentional that this was important in your life. So, how did that show up for you? Well, when I originally moved, I moved in with John and Haley. Their house Mm -hmm. is kind of seems like the the rotating friend house. That's my um, house. Right? Like, it's like there was someone that was there before me and we kind of overlapped for a little bit. And then actually, like, as I was moving out, another one of our mutual friends who was going through a divorce and a rough patch was moving in, right? Like, they're, they're kind of the house where people come to uh, <laughs> recover and get back on their feet, I guess. So number one, that was awesome. Having my, my two mm-hmm. favorite people who are the most supportive, wonderful, you know, I can't say enough good things about them. And just being with them and coming home from work to people that were supportive and were on the same team as me was just what I needed that time. You know, there was part of me where I'm like, I'm 32 and I'm moving in with like a couple of friends. Like, am I failing as an adult? But ultimately Uh like it really helped me get back like my emotional balance. Yeah. And then the other part is, is I try to be very intentional with not just relying on them to be everything to me. Right. Yeah. I definitely invested time and energy into developing other relationships and other friendships and networks and communities outside of just them and their friends. Again, all wonderful people, nothing negative to say. But it's, you know, I just was like, I can't have it all be in one bucket. I'm not going to do that. Like in Texas, my bucket was my job and everyone was, even some of my really great friends today, 
are people that are either still with my company or maybe they haven't been with my company, but we're still friends. And that was my Texas bucket. And I just didn't want to be in that same situation again in in any capacity. I mean, that makes sense because what happens if, even for a good reason, like even if you got a job opportunity somewhere else, if all your friends were work-related and that's really all you had, although some of them would probably make it or you know you'd stay connected to people it's a lot of pressure to transition every single one of your friendships as you navigate transitioning a job versus you know if you've built friendships in other areas those other ones are probably pretty unaffected mm-hmm. they'll continue on as normal they'll feel comfortable as you navigate these others i think that was a really smart intuitive thing for you to do Did you also, and I know the answer, I don't even know why I'm asking this as a question, (laughs) talk a little bit about like the lean in and the community aspect of it too, because not only did you try and develop one-on-one friendships, you also decided to like supplement with some community connection. Man, I I just can't speak highly enough of Kansas City. (laughs) The level of community that's just threaded through everything in this city is so different than most Mm. of the places I've lived. You know, just to use an example, like, you know, we have the Chiefs and it's a big sports city, but like people also love our baseball team and they love our soccer team, our professional men's soccer team, professional women's soccer team. And it's like, I used to joke when I lived in Texas no one's more proud of their state than Texas, but like Mm -hmm. no one's more proud of their city than Kansas city. Like if you walk downtown on a Friday night, the amount of people you'll see wearing like a, I love Kansas city shirt is kind of absurd (laughs) in a good way. I got to come visit. I got to experience this. Yeah. Like people in New York, if a real New Yorker was caught, like would not be caught dead wearing an, I love New York shirt. Right. Like, but Kansas city, like, I mean, I have probably like, 10 Kansas City shirts, sweatshirts, et cetera. And so just that thread of community is is just really strong here. And so I was really lucky when I moved here. I, I knew about Lean In. And I was like, maybe I'll find a Lean In circle to find other women to connect with. Because the other thing about my company is we are about 80% men. right? So I was like, I want some professional women to connect with. And so through trying to find Lean In, I got introduced to this nonprofit in Kansas City called Central Exchange. It's a networking group for professional women. It's been around since the 70s. Like just some really, really amazing women that are part of it. So they do a lot of like professional development, networking opportunities, etc. So I joined that last, I want to say like April or May timeframe. It's been really good. It counts for like my professional development hours for work. My work takes care of it. You know, I run out some probably once a week. I usually have something for them. Like it might just be over lunch one day. We get a chance to hear from like Kansas City based CEOs and a lot of other women. I've done workshops for them, etc. And then through there, they were kind of the ones managing like the Lean In network. We've kind of expanded beyond that this summer. So Lean In now is kind of its own stand-up organization in Kansas City, Lean In Kansas City, that's you know overseen by the greater Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In National Group or International Group. And so just actually last month in August, I joined the leadership team for that. I've been hosting a circle for them for about eight months. And then I stepped into the you know silly title, but head of circles role. So I oversee like when someone submits a thing, an application or an interest survey, then I try to 
get them into a circle or if someone wants to lead a circle, I kind of go through all the resources, all that, and just help promote Lean in Kansas City, which is fantastic. It's just been super rewarding. So I'm really excited to start giving back to that group and that community in Kansas City. Yeah. And what I love here is you really thought about the areas that you could supplement in your life, like being in a very male-dominated company. So you were going to supplement with more female business leaders Mm -hmm. to connect with. You were going to step into this leadership role at work with the women's circles. Like It wasn't just you walked out there and like, yeah, I'm going to join some groups, whatever sounds good. (laughs) You were like really thought about the areas of your life that would feel fulfilled or supplemented with the various organizations that you've chosen to participate in. Yeah. I think that's really important to note. For me, you know, I've also, I I shifted roles once I did move here, like probably four months after I moved here, I ended up taking a different position where I'm now more on like the professional development, coaching, leadership side of our business instead of direct sales. And what that's allowed me to do is really, honestly, have a better work-life balance than I could. I mean, I could have probably had a better work-life balance (laughs) when I was in sales. If I go back to 2019, which was like my last normal year of selling... I spent an average of 12 nights a month in a hotel. And my company was it for me. And I'm not saying that it's my company's fault I got divorced, but to act like spending 12 nights a month in a hotel and then I get divorced in 2020 isn't somehow correlated, right? That's clearly... There's something there. And so one of the things I've done a lot of work on is not just developing friendships and community for myself like on a personal level, but that greater professional life, right? Like that building that network. And it's just such a good thing because I think when for the first you know 11 years of my career, I was so inwardly focused on our company. I thought I could get everything that I needed out of it. Yeah. And so a lot of what I've done outside of the company is now like developing that greater professional life to like fill my cup with the female stuff. It's just... it's Every time I go to a central exchange event, I leave it being like pumped for my life. <laughs> and that bleeds into my work in a really positive way. But then also continue to develop and bring fresh ideas from outside in. So I've done a lot with like the Association for Talent Development, which is all for people that work in, you know, adult learning, corporate training. I'm actually doing a breakout session for the ATD Kansas City chapter next month. And that's just like, again, it's this great networking opportunity. And it's it just gives me like this fresh, fulfilling perspective that I can bring back into being like a more positive, well-rounded employee, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to resonate with what you were talking about, right? Because what we're told to do is kind of just check these boxes, like get a job, get a career, climb up the ladder, get married, buy a house, get a pet, yada, yada, yada. And is that really what you want? And now that you kind of had to mix everything up and get really smart about it and intentional. You're like, you know, forget all the check boxes. I'm just going to do what feels right and supplement and like build this greater system for myself. Yeah. I really commend you for that. So I have developed a couple frameworks, one of which is my wheel of connection framework. 
You can go to the show notes. There is a blog post on my website that breaks this down for you. But basically, the short of it is that quite often conversations around friendship are separate from conversations about family and romantic partnership and community. It's like they're different silos. When in reality, it is the cumulative impact of all the people in our lives. And so I developed this framework to show that it includes everything from your family of origin, your formal communities, acquaintances, four different types of friendships, family of choice, and your past friendships. But the reason I bring this up, I want to point this out, is because Jenna has talked in this episode about how she is investing and adding and supplementing and shifting and tweaking so many areas of connection, right? We've heard her talk about shifting up her entire family of choice, getting a divorce. We have heard her talk about joining formal communities, some of which are professionally focused. Her job is important, not to mention her job is a formal community. Where when she goes to those communities, to the leaning groups and the other community organizations, she is meeting acquaintances and people who provide familiarity. Not to mention where you live is actually a formal community, right? Formal communities are these places you go, these groups where you feel like I belong here. And Jenna just mentioned that Kansas City is apparently somewhere I need to visit because it is so welcoming that she already has this sense of, I belong here. Then we have this idea that we have all these friendships around us, which she has decided are important, so important, she is going to shift her life to live closer to those friends. But she doesn't want to put all of her focus on just that one friendship, all that pressure. So she's going out there again, joining formal communities, meeting acquaintances, making new friends, supplementing and adding to build her own unique support system of people. And it is the cumulative impact of all of those. A lot of people, because they are following the path they're supposed to be on and they check the boxes and they do the next thing, a lot of people lean into community and connection and realize how important this is after one of those boxes is blown up. It's very common. Somebody mm -hmm. finds themselves like you, gone all the time, feeling very disconnected, and their life is like 95% work and they have no time for anything else. They were in a relationship and they end it. They had some big catastrophic Maybe they lost a loved one. And then they realize, they wake up and they realize that this is important. And they shift things in their life to make this more of a priority. And I think that has a lasting impact. Like you're not on autopilot anymore. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. You're not on autopilot. Yeah. So my question is, if you met someone and you got into another relationship, well, that's a lie. You're getting married. I am. Yep. In May. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think that this will impact moving forward, like how you approach community and friendship in your new relationship? Yeah. Like you're not on autopilot anymore. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like I got married the first time. I think I was like 22, 23, somewhere in there. 
And we did not have a bad divorce. I have a lot of love for my ex-husband. He's a great guy. Like we still send each other animal pictures because we each kept an animal, right? But we, and actually it's something I've been thinking about. I was like journaling this morning, a new habit of mine and was kind of reflecting through this workbook around like your self-limiting beliefs. And I yeah. think when you get married or into a relationship that young, it's not even like you're limiting beliefs about yourself, but also you're limiting beliefs about each other mm. that like kind of carry on for a long time without going too much detail. It's like, there are things that, that him and I are both doing today that I don't think we would have ever done if we had stayed together Yeah, that are making us better people in a really positive way. And I think it was like those, like those limiting beliefs about each other and about ourselves was just carried through. And so I think anytime you get married and get divorced, you know, I'm not saying everyone, but for me, I think you're going to approach like dating again with a much more intentional mindset. What do I want? Who am I today? I didn't know who I was at 22 and I can still change. I'm not saying that, you know, but I know much more clearly now what I want out of life and what fulfills me and what sort of person is going to help me meet those goals and fulfill those goals for me. And so, yeah, I think it did change how I dated and like what my intention was. And it's very interesting. My fiance is someone that he's a transplant. He's from Omaha originally. He's lived in Switzerland. He's lived in Phoenix and settled here after his divorce. And he was very intentional too. He got here a few years before me. He works for a rather large company here. I think they have like 6,000 employees in the area. And that company does a really good job with connecting people. So he was pretty intentional. He still does these things. He's on a soccer league through his company. He's on a volleyball league. He does a volunteering with the... I think it's called Boys Who Run. It's like a middle school run. Yeah. So he does volunteering with that a couple times a year to help these kids get like ready for a 5K, right? So he was very intentional about... I don't know everyone here. He's very much more introverted than me. So I think it was probably harder for him to do that sort of stuff at first. But he's built a great community of people like, yeah, they all work at the same company. But like, I think besides one of them, he doesn't directly work with any of them. Like if he had just gone to work, he probably would have never met these people. But he went and signed up for this stuff and now has a really good core group of people that are all like, we do a lot of stuff together and all that. So yeah, he's... Very similar type of story that that intentional community building, I think, for both of us is is very important and will continue to be an important part of our lives. Yeah, I hear from a lot of people. The reason I was asking that is, again, just to hear your experience. No right or wrong. But I do hear from a lot of people that once you kind of wake up to this being important and you get used to putting yourself out there and kind of building what you need and what you need right now is going to look different in 10 years. Now that you've done it once, you'll continue to switch things up slightly and adjust and supplement, whatever. People kind of tell me like once they see it, you can't unsee it. That no matter what life change happens, you never want to go back. So this is something that they'll always prioritize. That's just why I was curious if that was Mm -hmm. your experience. And it sounds like it is. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, Jenna, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I am so excited to share this. And really, I'm excited to hear people's reactions. I think some people might listen to this and maybe realize that they're on autopilot a little bit. So if that's you, if you're listening, 
you can change this area of your life. I want to thank Jenna so much for coming on here and sharing her story, the ups and the downs, the twists and the turns, the journey that she's been on. I know that's not always easy because again, so much talk out there is about this linear path of just checking off the boxes. But at the end of the day, we just have to decide we don't care and that all we want is for the people in our lives, including ourselves, to be happy. Now, at the beginning of this episode in the intro, you might have heard me mention these stats about how much happier you are if you live near a friend. And there is a really great article by a writer that I really enjoy reading, Anne Helen Peterson, in her newsletter, Culture Study. She wrote an entire newsletter titled, You'd Be Happier Living Closer to Friends, Why Don't You? And it's linked in the show notes. Go check it out. I don't want to spoil it all, but I do want to read out the reasons. She made a list of the reasons you don't. The first one is we're not socialized to prioritize friendship. Number two, your friends, they're scattered. Where would you even move? <laughs> Number three, the housing market. Stupid. She's not wrong. Number four, job lock. Number five, many states aren't safe for so many reasons. Number six, you actually do kind of have this, but it still feels slightly out of reach. Seven, we seek solutions within the family unit, not outside of it. And there's so much depth in each of those reasons. But I just wanted to read those out because there are very practical reasons that this may not be feasible. I understand that. Or huge shifts you would have to make to your life. I mean, take Jenna as an example. She was willing to potentially give up a decades-long career and shift companies. So at the end of the day, asking yourself these questions, examining, having conversations with your friends about whether or not they're interested, it might be worth it. And if nothing else, as with anything else on this podcast, at least we're having conversations to put it out there to consider. With that, I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Friendship IRL. I am so honored to have these conversations with you, but don't let the chat die here. Send me a voice message. I created a special website just to chat with you. You can find it at alexalex.chat. You can also find me on Instagram. My handle at it's Alex Alexander or go ahead and leave a review wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Now, if you want to take this conversation a step further, send this episode to a friend, tell them you found it interesting, and use what we just talked about as a conversation starter the next time you and your friend hang out. No need for a teary goodbye. I'll be back with a new episode next week.